0: I hope this podcast finds you doing well wherever you are in the world. Thank you, as always, for being here. Welcome to the Pillars Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Bowman, and today we're going deep on one of the great trail running institutions of our lifetime or at least of the last decade, that, of course, is the great irunfar.com. My guest is the one and only Mr. Brian Powell, the founder and editor-in-chief of I Run Far. And after an entire career of me, being the guest of both pre and post race interviews hosted by Brian he was gracious enough to let me turn the tables on him and share a little bit about the Iron Far journey as they emerge into a very exciting new chapter as a business and as a key voice in the worldwide trail running community, you may remember that back in January, Far announced that they had been acquired by the All Gear Group, part of the Lola digital media family, a move that has big implications for the future of IronFar and by extension for the future of our little sport. I was really intrigued by the news at the time. I reached out to Brian and Megan to see if I could host a conversation to explore what this new chapter meant for them personally and for Iron Farr in general. And Brian promised as the gentleman that he is to come on just as soon as it made sense and just as soon as he could share more. So here we are six months later to do just that of course, we focus the discussion on the present and future of I Run Far, but we also talk a lot about the humble beginnings of the site as Brian's personal blog. We talk about the leap of faith that Brian took to leave his corporate law gig to pursue this passion project full time. We talk about his advice for other toiling entrepreneurs, much like myself, trying to make a side hustle into their life's work. And we talk about a lot more. I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys will too. Before we get to it, I just wanna reinforce that this show is an extension of the Pillars mobile app where we endeavor to provide as much inspiration and information to trail and ultra runners of all levels and wherever they are in the world, as you pursue your journeys in this incredible sport, the app is a deep and ever expanding library of training plans, training advice, yoga, strength and movement exercises, nutrition, community and much much more you can find it in the ios and android app stars for only ten dollars a month and we do promise to provide you with as much support as you need in your ultra journey and if you want a little bit more support but you can't afford the subscription please just email us hello at pillars.com and we will be happy to hook you up with a free subscription and have you join our awesome community. Okay, that's it, on with the show. Please welcome the I Run Far editor in chief, Mr. Brian Powell. Brian Powell, welcome to the program. How's it going, buddy? It's great, thanks for having me,
1: Dylan. Are you broadcasting from Silverton, Colorado? Indeed. I'd say I could see the hard rock, but uh, this time of year it moves, so I'd have to go around the corner to see it. So. <laughs> Everything is uh, in walking distance and nearly
0: an eyesight from your office there, probably. So <laughs> It is,
1: and that's it's wonderful. Uh, having lived in cities in the middle of country and all sorts of different places, being in a small town where I can walk to the post office of the grocery store or anywhere within seven minutes is pretty nice
0: pretty darn nice man yeah you guys ha- have it made there uh in what is a very important and significant place in our little world and brian powell <laughs> you and i have known each other for a decade probably at this point and you've probably interviewed me a hundred times over the course of my career and See, I've had, yeah, yeah. You know, i've had a. Uh, your wife and business partner, Megan Hicks, on the program once before to talk about her Nolan's 14 FKT. But this is the first time that I'm having the chance to interview you. And I have to say that I'm honored that you would give me the opportunity. And uh, of course, I want to spend the the bulk of our conversation talking about sort of the, the present and future of I Run Far you all announced in January that, uh, you had been acquired by the all gear group within the Lola digital media empire. And, uh, you know, you're launching into a really exciting new chapter, but, uh, I'd love to, as I always do start with the, the humble beginnings of the guests on the program. And, uh, you know, I of course know the story I'm old enough and I've been in the sport long enough to remember when I run far was basically just your personal blog. So maybe for the listeners who are newer to the sport, talk a little bit about the early days of I run far where like, even I'm curious about like the domain name, like go back, <laughs> go back that far and, and talk about what it was at the beginning and, um, Sort of,
1: yeah, like uh, paint the picture of, of those those early days. I mean, to go back to the domain name, I have to go back to when Gmail was invite only, and one of my uh, roommates at the time was uh, worked in politics and like for political campaigns on a national level and whatnot. So he kind of knew the people in in Google and whatnot. And it was when you were it was invite only, you could actually get a six uh, character email address and i happened to go with run far uh i was like oh, that's memorable and like you know easy and I, I say run far and people can type my email address yeah. right? um, and then eventually i was i guess i was studying for the bar exam in 2000 summer 2005 in park city and oh, it's was 2006 sorry and i was sitting in park city studying for the bar exam like figuring out whatever i could to not study for it <laughs> and ended up deciding that hey i'm going to register a domain and um eventually maybe have like a an information source for ultra running more thinking in you know, sort of race listings maybe not just a pure race calendar mm-hmm. but more be more information about races i played around with a little coding on the on the side um and anyway runfar.com was taken yeah so i'm like well, what do I do? What I was gonna—that's so simple and easy. But <laughs> all right, well, this is like this was pre-iphone, like this was iPod days, like yeah, I guess like iMac. I'm like, what about I run far? Kind of like lowercase I. Just <laughs> it was partly that, and like, well, that also is like an affirmational type phrase. It wasn't about me, like Brian run. Powell runs far, but sure, yeah, I run far. Like what we, whatever that distance is. To you, to to Megan, to most yeah. of your listeners, like if that's five k, five miles, fifty miles, you can identify and say I run far. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of rolled with that. I think it was only after that that I started a personal running blog. Yeah. Uh, this was a thing back in the the mid to late noughts. Like right. There were tens of thousands of them. It wasn't just Anton and you, but like right me as a Joe Schmo runner would just get on Blogspot and you know, post about my training or a question I had about shoes or well, whatever. Dude, I mean, what a fun time
0: and fun part of the history of the sport when everybody was just interacting with each other on their blog spot accounts. It's so funny now with the advent of social media and Instagram and the, you know, the ease of just sharing information and interacting with people that look back at, that's how we shared information with one another. And that's how I learned everything that I know about the sport and Mm -hmm. how a lot of it's
1: getting lost. Right. I've I've thought longingly numerous times of how much I wish I could preserve uh, Scott Jerk's old blog or Chrissy males, or I don't know if your original one's probably gone by now. Like all of them have just kind of disappeared into the ether. And that was a way that we tracked the history of the sport at that time. Yeah. Uh, so. So,
0: so cool. Well, yeah, I, I love hearing about the domain things. I think you know, we, I, uh, it's, I don't know if I've ever publicly admitted this, but I've probably spent, you know, thousands of dollars on domain names myself. It's a, it's a favorite pastime of mine to search domains and, and buy them for the Potential future
1: use uh, that I just sold most of mine. I had, <laughs> I had a number of park <laughs> domains. I, I actually so I went with Lola. I request I kept two <laughs> RyanPowell.com and I iFishFar.com. <laughs> yes. I'm
0: like, no, you don't get that. I actually talked to a domain broker today about listing some of mine. So anyway, we can move off that. But yeah, I mean, to talk a little bit more about the history, you were practicing law at the time that you started I Run Far. And, you know, it's funny to like, you know, register that domain and think about maybe turning into a race listing website. And then ultimately after, a decade of toiling, it becomes sort of the most important resource within our little subculture and our little sport. And I'm curious, just like, for people who are listening, again, who don't know as much sort of, at what point did it become kind of clear to you that this was going to be your path? Because I'm assuming it required you to leave a very steady, secure life as a, uh, you know, as a practicing lawyer. Yeah. So talk about just like taking that leap of faith and uh, what that decision looked like at the time.
1: I mean, there's one sort of one uh, intermediate step that I have to fill in there. And that's from going from the personal running blog to something in the direction of I run far today, I was at uh, Wasatch hundred and 2007 And at an aid station waiting around for whoever I was going to be pacing, um, talked to uh, a writer who was doing a freelance story for, uh, for runner's world. And eventually it was going to be a, or eventually it turned out she was going to write this. um, And it was a how to run your first ultra. And somehow we connected and she got in touch after the race. and was like, I want to interview you. So I prepared a bunch of notes for this and And preparing for the bunch of notes, I do the interview and they're like, why don't I just type up these notes that I have, like how to choose your first ultra and how to train for your first ultra and just put that out there. And that was literally like the first step to transforming it from just what, what am I running? What shoes am I running in? That kind of stuff to trying to be an information source. Yeah. And that was a big leap in October of 2007 Um, between there. And when I quit my job in May, 2009, I just step-by-step, step, not necessarily intentionally, but kept going deeper. Um, first, it was somebody at La Sportiva saying, oh, we'll send you, you know, just let us know what shoes you want to test out and we'll send them to you. And then it was going to the Summer Outdoor Retailer Show in August of 2008, when I was still a full-time attorney. I took time off from work to, to go see what was at the show and write about it and learn. Um, but as that time is going on, I, I met Megan in August 2008. And throughout this time, I'm two years into being an attorney and it's stressful. Um, I didn't get a lot of personal satisfaction about it. I was a regulatory attorney, not in courtrooms. I never wanted to do that, yeah. but I'd write a memo, would go to the partner, the partner would send it to the client. And I'd never hear about what, ha- you know, what, what turned out from that week of work and stress. Yeah. And so like, there was just not a lot of satisfaction there and had a little bit of traction at I run far. But when I decided to take a big old leap, I had like one hundred dollar a month coaching client. It's I didn't put ads on the site for another year plus. Like wow. I just I made an intentional decision. I'm not putting ads on I Run Far, whether that was Google AdSense or selling ads until it was something. I I didn't want to have a hundred sure. or two hundred page views or readers a month, a week, I mean not a week, a day, and and monetize it. It just I was making I Run Far what it was, and I was going to do coaching. I just took a giant leap. Said, "Hey Megan, can I come move in with you outside of Yosemite in California?" <laughs> Coming, we were flying back from the marathon to Saab in Morocco, and that was kind of the week break I needed had space. I talked with Michael Wardian, who was a good friend at the time, a lot over there, and talked to Megan, talked to others, and
0: no way. flying back,
1: decided, "Let's just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a go." I kind of had two rules as I decided to quit, and one was if at the end of one year, it was absolutely clear, this was not going to be not going to work out step away. And if at the end of two years, I couldn't see a path towards sustainability, uh, I guess kind of on the financial side, whatever route that was to get there, yeah. that's fine. But if it wasn't going to work out, I got to move on. Um, and I had a whole list of um, I was doing freelance writing for like trail runner or or outside in various publications. So you're just kind of piecing it together at first, adding more coaching on, I, you know, had a list of, do I lead guided tour runs in Yosemite? Do I put on camps? Do I put on races? Like all the things you can think about, dude, this is so inspiring (laughs) to me. (laughs) I didn't know what that was going to be. Like there was, I had a little bit of coaching income and that was it. And I mean, yes, I was an attorney, but I was an attorney Less than three years out of law school, yeah. who had just bought a house in Arlington, Virginia. Like I think, after I paid back my mortgage, I think I had like five grand in my wallet. Like, yeah, and I spent that entire summer of 2009 living out of my Prius, driving around the the mountain west of North America, going to races and events, and meeting people. And that's how Real Forward Progress came out of a random dinner at the outdoor retailer show that summer. Like
0: which just, is of course your your book Relentless Forward Progress. Dude, I'm so inspired by this story. I figured that like you had the vision more clearly mapped out when uh. you took the leap of
1: faith. It was
0: just <laughs> it was it, it was a the,
1: gigantic leap, the of, leap faith. of
0: faith that created the sense of urgency to then create the vision. I love that. So yeah, totally. any, any uh, you know, like words of advice for people who may find themselves in a similar position with a steady job that offers a lot of security, but that doesn't necessarily provide that deep sort of personal satisfaction that you talked about with law, like how, uh, maybe any words of advice about sort of carving your own path with sort of an entrepreneurial project? Project and pursuing I mean the good news is
1: you can always like I did I I was publishing I run far at something similar to what it was those first couple of years that I did it full-time before I did it full-time like yeah. two years of writing during my lunch break or writing in the evenings or taking a long weekend to go to the outdoor retailer show like I managed to do both um and to see what I enjoy there to see yeah uh you know if before you start becoming a race director with a race, a 10 series or 10 races in a series, tr- just try organizing a local fat ass. Like j- just, you can dip your toe in the water. At yeah. some point you might make a full on leap and that's probably the easiest way to, to grow quickly and to figure out if it's, is going to work or not in the end. Um, but yeah, just dip your toe in the water. If you think you want to be a writer, write for some websites, write for, you know, pitch trail runner, pitch ultra running, whatever it is, like you don't have to go from zero to 60. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give it, give, just, give things that get, have interest to you a shot in little bits.
0: Yeah. Start um, with a side hustle and then, and then yeah. try I mean, and- it wasn't a side hustle back in
1: the day, but yeah, that's what it would be today. Like start with that <laughs> yeah. or help out with a race organization or whatever it is. Like, yeah. or maybe you become a member of, uh, you know, coastal running up in, in the Pacific Northwest or rain shadow or aerovite, but maybe there was a way to work your way in. Um, yeah. So,
0: so on this subject of like entrepreneurship and getting your start, does that kind of come naturally to you? The whole entrepreneurial instinct? Goodness, no. Yes. So <laughs> I'm curious to learn a little bit more about this as a sort of reluctant entrepreneur myself these days, who just kind of like fell into something new that I'm really excited about and that I want to, you know, sort of pursue with a lot of, uh, you know, energy and attention but who lacks every other entrepreneurial instinct <laughs> that, that you could have. Talk about your journey and maybe like what, what skills were the
1: hardest for you to develop on that front? I mean, I'm an introverted like numbers guy, like or math and science guy. Like that's, that's <laughs> where I fall. Um, so the fact that basically all of my, or a ton of my work is um, not just with interviews and stuff, but it is outward facing is, um, interacting with other people is doing some degree of management. Like all of that is still outside my comfort zone. Mm. Like uh, interviewing was shockingly stressful, uh, for a number of years. Like I would never have pushed myself in that direction, but I think Garrett Graubins was at trail runner magazine at the time when I was going to be at Leadville and he's like, Hey, can you interview, you know, Anton and and somebody else? And maybe it was Duncan Callahan. I forget who it would have been, but like, Uh. You know, can you do a video interview with these guys? And if you can, like, well, we can give you I don't know, hundred bucks or whatever it was. Like, it was just a <laughs> chance to, Hey, I got somebody else had an idea. Yeah. You can borrow a video camera. I didn't own one. Um, but you know, just, just jump in there. And that was super nerve wracking. And I'm, it's become way more comfortable. Uh, some interviews are still a challenge. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But that's, that, that's usually for other reasons, rather than like actual stress. Um, but yeah, just, Becoming comfortable with that was a long journey. Um,
0: Man, you know, just that's, being... that's really interesting too, just because as a long time Iron Par reader myself, those are the articles that I click on the most, you know, that I definitely enjoy the most are the ones that include sort of an embedded YouTube video <laughs> of pre-race interviews. And it's hilarious to hear that those are maybe the things that provided the most stress to you as you built this. Yeah, I was de- definitely fire. a
1: huge factor of that. And I'm also really risk averse um mm. just as a personality trait like I'm a low discounter like I value future things as much as as the the current. Um so and I'm also I hate sales like not only hate salesmen but like I that's not you, yeah. You've heard me <laughs> like come to you, "Hey, Dylan, yeah. uh do you need some uh, ads for Hypoxico?" like Yeah. I, that and I just like I'm not a salesman. So that's always been super hard. Like for probably a decade, I just sold enough in that, not just ads, but in the marketing partnership kind of space, just enough to get by because I hated it so much. Uh But then I think it was like somewhere in 2018, a big deal, like that I thought was a go fell through at the last minute. And it uh, there was no savings. It was like on the brink, like immediately when I finally put me in the spot of like, as much as I dislike this, I've got to do a little bit more than just baseline. So that if something, if there is a hiccup, we're not gone like two weeks later, because it was operating on that margin, like on that cusp for a decade, in part because of my own handicapping um, and my own extreme dislike of putting myself out there and trying to sell myself in the form of I run far. So that was a huge um, challenge.
0: Yeah. And I so identify with it as somebody who's worked in sales for a long time now. It's like, it is a skill that you have to develop. And for some people, for some personality uh traits you know you you, it doesn't feel comfortable to be in those situations Mm -hmm. and and it is a a skill that you develop over time where you get better at it you get more comfortable (sighs) with it if you've
1: gotten better at it can you give me some tips offline yeah we'll (laughs) talk about it um yeah yeah. it's it's partially like the value like maybe it was a little different in that like i had to value myself and i always undervalued what I or I run far was doing. And now I have some people that bounce ideas off of, which I'm sure we'll get to, but like, wow. They always like, you're like, no, you should, that should be double that price or whatever it is. Like I've just always low balled. And then just the fear of rejection or the hatred of it, that I just don't follow up or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Dude. I'm so it's I so off to the salesman out there.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And in this vein too, like with a sort of entrepreneurial spirit and the entrepreneurial Struggle, You know, there's some days where you're probably just kind of like possessed with a confidence that you're on the right path that I run far is growing at X amount and we're on to something we're providing an incredible service Mm -hmm. to the community. And then there's probably other days uh, where you feel like you're completely wasting your time and you're doomed to failure. How do you navigate that cycle? Uh, those peaks and valleys of... It's a lot um, of riding the
1: wave of fear, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Um, yeah, just like trying to always, I've always, the, a positive or a, a pillar of strength has been always feeling like I was doing or trying to do the right thing. Like there've been little things that I might've tweaked or changed along the way. Like you are never 100% and, you know, looking back, Um but always felt like I've been trying to do the things the right thing and only would do the right thing. And if I had to compromise in certain areas that I would just walk away, like mm-hmm. it would never be worth that. And having that confidence was always great. Um, but in terms of like, I've also never, I mean, maybe in 2007 was looking at the traffic on a regular basis, but for decade, you know, a decade now, I haven't looked at, Iron run far traffic that way and never have gone the the direction of clickbaity stuff or publishing articles that would you know be controversial to get clicks or just chasing the biggest star or the biggest the most important race like it's always is there competitive depth at this event like who do, who is actually most likely to be on the podium this race mm. that we should interview and you know maybe this the stars at the race and not you know they're injured and they don't have a chance like okay like yeah we're gonna we're gonna do what we think is right. So having really, the doubts have been on the can I deal with the stress of surviving day to day and the the stress of can I survive financially, you know, supporting myself and then Megan and myself for a very long period of time, never really worried that oh, there was less viewership at this year's Les Templiers or or, yeah. This other, you know, this other race where it run, rabbit, run, and maybe it gets less attention, like never even sure. give that two looks.
0: Good. Yeah. I mean, that's a good lesson too. Yeah. Instead of like focusing on the metrics and the potential, maybe like the superficial signals of success to be focused mm-hmm. more on the the quality and the depth and doing what's right. it's beautiful. And it's, yeah. it's,
1: that's the hard path to, to go down these days. And yeah.
0: I'm sure, especially when that deal falls through in 2018 and you're staring, uh, you're staring potential failure in the face. I bet uh, it's tempting to then go the opposite direction, but you guys yeah. have done such an amazing job mm-hmm. and it's been so cool to be a long time reader and to just see the journey that you've been through. And yeah, with sort of the stuff that I'm working on now too, to just kind of get inspiration from you guys and to know that our sport is worth this sort of commitment
1: and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, been the commitment, like that's been plenty of times. So that 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 verge of failure is like, this is, and I, you know, something I feel like I am giving to the community. Like if I wanted to, to go do something lucrative or make money or, live the dream. It, it, it wouldn't be this. Like right. there's a lot of 70 hour weeks at the computer. And yeah. then there's 90 to hundred hours in a race week. Like it's, it's a full on gig yeah. and always challenging. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting in that you just sort of hearing you talk about your, you know, going into this direction and the challenges in that, I think I'd forget for the spring or summer 2018, when that deal fell through and I'm like, is I run far going to survive this next couple months? And Megan and I sat down that autumn and kind of went, you know, took like a retreat. I I took a personal retreat for like two or three days, mapped out the pros and the cons and of doing I run far and what the stressful aspects of it were and what can change and all these different things. And then Megan and I sat down and literally came up with a list of things. And one of the options that came on the table is. You know, if, if X, Y, and Z, if we can't, if we don't make X, Y, and Z change and it doesn't change, like it's time to hang things up. Like we can't wow. go super into debt. We can't like keep wrecking ourselves as we are and have been for a decade at that point for me almost. Um, yeah. And like, that's kind of an important lesson, I think for an entrepreneur is being willing to assess and know when you would walk away. Um whether that was me at um, a year or two and having those limits then or reassessing when things just weren't working f- personally and financially in 2018 being like all right I got to reevaluate and one of the options is walking holding the tent wow And like it wouldn't have been it would have been heartbreaking in so many ways Of course but like it was an option
0: Yeah well I have a feeling the community wouldn't have stood for that <laughs> Probably but, uh, not <laughs> But uh, I mean, it's so, yeah, it's really fun to talk about. And I think obviously one of the things I'm really interested to explore with you is sort of the present and and now the future of I Run Far. Of course, in January, you guys announced that you had been acquired Mm -hmm. by the All Gear Group, part of Lola Digital Media. And at the time I messaged you and said, Hey guys, you know, if you want to talk about this, just what it means for Iron Far and the future, let me know. I'd love to host the conversation. And you politely said, you know, right now is, uh, we're still trying to figure it out out ourselves, but I'll let you know when the time is right. And uh, here we are now, six months later, and I'm really excited and honored that you would come and have this conversation with
1: me. I was thankful um, that you were you. Were, you graciously accepted that. Let's yeah. pause, and that you also accepted. Just you know, after Hard Rock, I reapproached you and said, "Hey, like things are, <laughs> you know, things take time, and things are actually now at yeah. the cusp of happening or happening that we can actually talk about something real rather than what we hope,
0: yeah, um, yeah. will happen." Great. Well, let, let's get to that in a sec. But before we do, obviously, like I said, you announced this in, in January. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming then that sort of the due diligence and negotiations and stuff were happening sort of in the middle of COVID. So I kind of wanted to try and understand what the COVID year was like for you and the rn 4 team. And like, what were the challenges? And, and how did it Im- impact your business? And and sort of at the same time, when were these conversations happening, and in what context? Yeah.
1: I mean, things things changed. March, like hardcore 2020. I went covered trans Grand Canaria. I was there. Uh, was, I was yeah. there. I remember? Yeah, I almost didn't go. I remember, like last minute, like like I was had a shared room through the race organization. I'm like, nope, I'm getting yeah. <laughs> whatever it costs. I'm getting my own room. And then, like, we got out like two days before. The border closed. I mean, U.S. citizens could get back in, but like yeah. things locked down. But it went from like that's late winter through like March or time when I run Fars, building kind of annual, the year long brand partnerships with our our bigger partners, whether that's a yeah you know, any of the major shoe and apparel companies. Because um, I usually work on them on a on a year year around or year long basis, so a lot of the deals that we did have already worked out a number of them were cut in half or pulled back entirely. Anything that was still kind of in the finalizing stage just was like, Nope, not happening. So we went from being on pace for a a normal or a good year to all of a sudden looking at half of our normal revenue and, um, with with no likelihood of having anything else come in through the year. Mm -hmm. Um, and then even we had some campaigns that were just about to launch and due to shipping, like Patagonia was amazing. They had a, basically a, a month long homepage takeover, a number of other elements to a, to a pretty big deal. And then I was like, we launched it. And two days later, they're like, we just shut our warehouses down. Like we're not shipping for, we don't know how long
0: mm-hmm. let's
1: pause this. Um, and they paused it till this year, but amazingly came through and actually paid and like spring 2020 and was just like an amazing bridge to that we made right this year but yeah like, like holy moly that that can keep us afloat for a couple months wow um, but it was hard because yeah like i said in general revenue got slashed in half um we kind of for a long time have thought of Iron far as two pieces there's what we like to think of as the magazine mix of content on i run far on a, on a daily basis it's the the educational articles it's the f- philosophical articles um all that stuff which we knew this week and running and more or less we could continue with that except for this week and running um through all of 2020 and we dedicated ourselves to that but half the other half is the race coverage yeah. and that just yeah. evaporated mm-hmm. um and we took a pretty um conservative stance in terms of safety and whatnot in terms of returning to that but that was gone for the rest. We covered one race in 2020 yeah, and are, we're confident with that being the right choice for us, but, uh, it was a hard one, but sure. not only for, we do get some sponsorship for covering the biggest races from brands, but also just in terms of reader excitement, reader support, yeah. like, um, a couple of years ago cutting coming out of 2018, we added Patreon, which has yeah. been a huge, um, source of support for I run far and evening out some Of those big up and down cycles, having uh, that pledge monthly support has been, was, and still is huge for us. Um, but for that first, I mean, that's kind of the initial crisis is that March, like things just get clawed back or canceled. Um, so we try to immediately just scramble. I mean, basically scrambled March through June, trying to make new things work, try to make new sources of revenue, whether that was through virtual races or coming up with a bunch of uh, like apparel and other swag to sell um, and just worked ourselves to the bone. Like
0: So, but I'm interested about the context in which these negotiations probably started because it was a yo, very yeah, uncertain yeah, yeah. time for you. And did, did that influence your guys' decision? Well, the to- interesting thing is,
1: mm, amazingly, and to Lola's media's credit, um, we got approached, by, in I want to say early to mid-November, it was that far into this, and never was it from a position of like their strength and our weakness. It was never, you guys are in COVID, uh, you're, you know, you like every other media company's got to be struggling. Here's a here's a lowball. No, it was somebody I I knew and respected whose website had been acquired, and he came to me uh, and said, Hey, do you have any interest in talking mm-hmm. about? you know, possibly being acquired. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. I've known you for a So decade. this is
0: November of 2020 and the yeah. deal closed in January of 21?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. It was so, two months, a fairly busy two months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then like
1: most of that, like the first month was like kind of just back and forth, like increasingly, like, you know, just broad yeah. spitballing of concepts for a couple of weeks. And then Getting closer to hey, let's you know talk about broad strokes of what white work yeah. to a lot of due diligence. Wow. Holy moly! Yeah, I remember like that, I've taken up a lot of time,
0: I'm sure. So, what is Lola
1: Digital Media and what's the all gear group? And maybe talk so a little Lola, bit. About I mean, them. I think it's a I want to say about 70 employees right now, they own about 15 websites. I'd say they're based in the twin cities, um, but it's more or less completely virtual. Uh, that's probably where the the core of sort of the, the corporate team is. Um, and GearJunkie is uh, com is one of the sites in the group and, and the biggest site. And they were founded out of the Twin Cities as well. So a bunch right. of Gear Junkie employees up there. Um, and within Lola, Lola or there's all there's two silos in Lola. There's one as lifestyle, anything from soap operas to pet gear to K-pop. Uh, is in that silo and then there's a the all gear group which is gear junkie um explorers web which is, focuses on high alpine mountaineering and expedition type stuff there's bike rumors um so kind of some out there's gear hungry which is kind of a, a generalist gear site but sort of a a general outdoor silo of which mm-hmm. i run far as a part um
0: yeah so, so it's kind of Yeah. So, what what value do you think they saw in the sport and in in Iron Far? And similarly, what value did you guys see in them? Was there a period where you felt each other out to see if it was a cultural fit? Were you scrutinizing the people within the organization to make sure you? Yeah. I mean, I think so.
1: I think. I mean, my contact there was Stephen Reginald. He is the Gear Junkie, who eventually became the founder of GearJunkie.com. He did syndicated columns before that uh, Mm -hmm. for newspapers. But I've known him for for a really long time and just having his candid take on things um really helped. Um yeah, just just kept chatting with them a little bit about culture, about how we could grow. I run far. I mean, a problem for Megan and I has always been like we basically ended up capping ourselves at at two employees somewhat intentionally. Like we didn't want to do growth just for growth's sake, and that's we thought with how much we were doing, we really couldn't manage employees on the writing editorial side. Although we have a a team of writers. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but to have kind of staff, we just didn't feel we were in a position to. But kind of almost as importantly, if you're a two employee company and you hire one, you've just increased your staffing fifty percent, but you've also increased maybe not your cost fifty percent, but your salary fifty percent, and it's just a big integral leap rather than you know going and covering one more race or hiring a writer to write one more column a month. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge leap for a very small publication. Whereas if Lola wants to add somebody that's 1% of their employee base or 1.3%, whatever it is, like it's super small. Uh, I mean, seeing an organization like that, there's economies of scale. And we, that all those have more of those. I I'm looking forward to them building out, but transferring sales stuff, transferring ad operations, transferring web development, transferring, invoicing, transferring, just a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, to some of the social media, some of that's done by somebody on their staff now,
0: Yeah,
1: but that's all stuff that Megan and uh, a lot of that's operations type stuff is I've done for the entirety of I run far. And mm-hmm. there was a hope in my mind of being able to over time offload that and spend at least some more time. Uh, I mean, for me, if I could fill in like an extra day a week, it would be looking at I run far big picture, making Editor in chief type decisions in terms of new directions to go, where to expand, um, how to make things better, um, yeah. which I've just not had the bandwidth for right. for most of the past decade. It's right. So I want to talk. Next thing.
0: Yeah, I want. I want to talk more about that. Like sort of what are the benefits of joining Lola? But before we do, I, I'd love to sort of hear a little bit more about the two months that it took to sort of come to this conclusion that this was the right way to go for you guys, because yeah. it's been a 10 plus year journey for you toiling away on this passion project that turned into this media juggernaut within, at least within our little subculture. Was it a hard decision for you? Was there a temptation to stay independent or was, did this feel
1: like a no brainer I and mean, a lot, and to be honest, in a lot of ways, it felt like a no brainer. Like, I don't know how much longer, like, I, Megan and I could have operated it independently. Like, it just takes so much. Like, yeah, I think it, people think it's hyperbole of me working like 50 to 70 hour weeks on a regular basis. That's, but that's what I work every week. And Megan's yeah. pretty much the same. And that's not including, I mean, I probably averaged 80 hours a week from mid June through. A couple days after hard rock like yeah it's just doing amazing things but it's it's non-stop it's exhausting yeah. um so yeah i just don't know how just megan and myself would have been able to sustain that for
0: yeah
1: you know it, not ad infinitum that's for sure and i just don't know when that would have been so Did figuring it feel- out ways to get
0: as a no brainer, you know, we all have these moments in our life when it just feels like the universe just gives us kind of like what we need at, at the time that we needed it, kind it of, feel like it kind that of was I mean, like,
1: yeah, I, it's in a lot of ways. Yes, because it was like, it wasn't us having to go sell out of some position of weakness. It was somebody I knew, who just approached it as a conversation when we did start talking, you know, sort of numbers as it were, like it was never let's look at your 2020 numbers. No, it was like, 2019 was your last real year. Like, let's talk about that. It was never so that always felt just comfortable. And then, yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, th- we knew in selling I run far that there would be changes and some, like, we would in the end not have 100% control. Like, I feel like I still have 98 plus percent control on a day to day basis, if not more. Like, it's super hands off. If yeah. not as getting advice, but it's still like here's something I built from a personal blog on Blogspot to oh, getting my own domain to like literally coding a theme at some point. Like, it just it's so much of my identity. I mean, I look out the front and see my Iron Far car. Like, yeah. So, like, there was it was hard and you know just almost. Fear of what others would think like in the community like that community Mm. means so much to us from like our close friends to supporters on patreon to like the ultra running as a whole world as a whole like it's did you get did you
0: get any criticism of like oh you guys have sold out nope good thank goodness
1: and we i (laughs) mean like to be totally transparent we had as things were going down we got a lot of counsel kind of from like the lola team to like hey like let's just do this softly. Like uh-huh. just, which that's is fine. Why, it's one that's way why you
0: didn't come on my podcast immediately. After no, no, no.
1: <laughs> we put a post out. We put a, we put an article out immediately. I know, I know. Saying I know. here's what it is. <sighs> and we're very candid about it. And yeah, I, I, I am, I mean, some people are going to hate I run far for whatever we do. Like there's, there's a small group of that. Yeah, but like, yeah. no, it's been very supportive and understanding. And Well, dude, I mean, like like magic. I don't know how it happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you made the announcement, I mean, I was totally surprised. I mean, not, not surprised in that, like, oh, this seems unreasonable or like, I I don't know. I was just sort of like, wow, like what a cool uh, illustration of the progress in our sport of Brian and Megan who've given so much finally sort of like having an opportunity to offload some of the hard work to be rewarded for the work that they put in over the last decade. And you did uh, put up a post sort of announcing this acquisition, announcing announcing this change. And in that post, you sort of said, here's sort of why this makes sense for us. And here are the benefits that we anticipate Mm -hmm. coming about as a part of this partnership with Lola. And, And part of that is Adding new staff, and you just recently announced uh, the or introduced the new editor, Alex Potter. You did a fun mm-hmm. little interview introducing her in Silverton around Hard Rock. So, talk a little bit about about that part of things. You said that. For a long time, you capped it as a two person business, you and Megan, even though you have a big network of writers uh, who do contribute. But you've added a new employee now officially, and Alex Potter. Talk about her and sort of like what does she bring to the team, and if there's more plans to
1: expand the team. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, I mean, I guess whether it was in kind of the negotiations or in the first kind of like editorial meetings with the Lola staff once Iron Farr came on board uh adding some staff was always kind of uh on my wish lists. uh i probably would have been like let's do it a week one uh but it's, everything takes time and um eventually i, I kind of convinced some of the, the the staff that it really wasn't out of a place of necessity like uh megan and i were both still working way 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 too hard um and one of the places that I saw that we could change that was with hiring a new editor. And, uh, we eventually convinced, yeah, some of the staff that that's a good idea. And we went out and got a couple great candidates with a total variety of backgrounds. There was a, a gentleman who had a, a lot of experience as an editor at running publications. Um, there was a woman with a bunch of, a sort of a bunch of great people skills that would have, sort of fit in the middle. And then there's Alex Potter, who um, just had an incredible life kind of story since college. She has has a nursing degree, then went over to Yemen um, to do journalism, like photojournalism, Uh, ended up being in uh, Iraq doing journalism as well. While she's over there, she found a medical response nonprofit to literally operate like just behind the lines of fighting for civilians um, came back, ended up doing a couple years of wildlands firefighting um, and just has a ton of energy. Like that, that was a huge part of bringing Alex onto the team and her a fearlessness, which seems silly in the context of ultra running, but like just something I could be confident that if she goes and covers a trans Gran Canaria, yeah, I can pass your your phone number onto her, and she can text you after the race to set up an interview. But someone who's just going to like go elbow Paolo Capay or or, or uh, Luis Alberto Hernando and like somehow through a translating app like set up an interview and find a translator like no problem she's done this in war zones like <laughs> she'll she'll make it happen, yeah. um, which is which I think is just crucial, and that she's um, also not going to fear working all night covering, she joined us before she even started um, officially at at Western States and covered hard rock. And she's done so many overnight nursing shifts and and still taking critical care of people while having been up for a day plus um, that I have like supreme confidence that she can handle doing that interview the next morning after being up all night, which is a difficult skill. sure it's
0: yeah it's great description of having people who may on paper have better qualifications to come into an editor role but having the more unique experience i mean obviously she's worked in journalism and but yeah. she has more of this fearlessness and uh, a desire to learn and a lot of energy. So that's really fun. Is there, is there a plan to potentially expand the team further? I know obviously we are still early in this whole n- new chapter of I run far, but there's
1: there's talk of it. It's a matter of what comes about for a, for a couple months, there was talk of a, an I run far sales rep to take kind of all the marketing sales off my plate. Um, <laughs>
0: That That's, sounds like it'd that, it would be
1: highly valuable for you. you that know? would be. That, is, that has disappeared as happens, like things yeah. come and go. There were some yeah. good reasons that it didn't happen. Um, but there's now talk of other sort of filling at least a couple roles and, and sort of more of the gear-related side of I Run mm-hmm. Far, um, maybe staffing up there, whether it's temporarily or or long-term. I don't know. But that, that could be built out. Um, I mean, Alex is going to move – She basically works with Megan. Megan is, for those who don't know, Megan is the managing editor, and she tends to do the day-to-day editing of the actual pieces, but also organizing that with the writers and interfacing with them. Whereas I do a ton of essentially stuff on the operation side when it's not me writing an article or doing race coverage. Um, So Alex will be helping out with Megan. I could see other staff being kind of under that editorial umbrella. Um, there's not a lot of like somebody who could just step in and and do a large part of what I do through one hire. Yeah, I could see that just be a slower like various parts of Lola taking parts of whether it's paying our writers or invoicing or sell ad sales or ad I sales. Mean, I've, yeah. I've been doing ad uploading the the ads into Google's ad manager for the last decade. Now I actually just send it over to somebody and they take care of it. And I pop in every once in a while to make sure things are running smoothly, but it's awesome. I guess my point is there's lots of little tasks that I'll hand off to different people over yeah. time. Cool. Um, whereas Megan is it's, it's one big step with Alex kind of coming under her wing and, and working together. Um, awesome. But I think, I think on the gear side would probably be the next place we'd have a, maybe a full-time hire. Cool. So,
0: uh, you know, obviously, like it's not only the growth of the team, but you're trying to grow the business now under this new leadership. You're trying to innovate and sort of move into the future of a sport that is growing really rapidly and that has been for the duration of your time working on I Run Far. How does this potentially impact the business model of I Run Far? Is there anything that you can disclose about sort of what you hope to roll out in the future with the sport of Lola?
1: I mean, I think. A lot of it is just me overcoming me being a, a stubborn dummy in a lot of ways. Like, uh, I think way back in the early 2010s, I had like some affiliate links for if somebody's buying something out of a review, and I just didn't do it for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, partially because of some high level like ideals or something. And I'm like, Like, I'm not going to change what we write in a review. It's like, I'm just going to put it now. There's just a link in there. And if somebody there's a note saying, you know, if you buy through this link, you support Iron far. And if you don't, you don't like,
0: you know, this this is a really interesting thing (laughs) that maybe you can expand on, right? Like the balance between staying true to your values, quote unquote, and making it work as a business, right? And yeah. <laughs> you know, so basically, what you're referring to now is like if you click on a link and buy something as part of a review that's published on Iron Far, you get some sort of small commission based yeah, on that. So totally. it's an easy way for people who are listening to the show right now to support Iron Far, to support mm-hmm. the mission, to support the sport in general. But talk, if you can, expand on that a little bit more about that maybe tension of keeping keeping your, your values or not appearing as a quote unquote sellout, but also like, I mean, no, it wasn't
1: even like the sellout. It's just like, could there be anybody perceiving any change in any bias on right. anything? I'm like my rule. Like I just always aired like 100% in, in the direction of like eliminating any perception of anything. And it's just uh, silly. Cause like, that's just not going to change what I run far does. Like yeah. if you ever watched who we interview at races? It has never anything to do with who's sponsoring our coverage of that race. Like we Uh, flat out, like we've had brands ask and I like politely to say, no, just because you're supporting our coverage of X race doesn't mean that's who we're going to interview. We're going to interview who, like we have complete editorial control and discretion. End of story. And if you don't like that, like that, I understand, like we can not work together. Sure. So it's, I don't know, like I, it's just, it was me being kind of foolhardy and, and just being idealistic to us. No, it wasn't even idealistic to an extreme. It's just to an (laughs) just going to an extreme and staying there and maybe not even to any end or any purpose at that point. Like, um, so are there any bigger visions that, that
0: you can share? And I totally understand if, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm sure you guys are thinking about that you're not ready to talk about at this point, but any other things that you want to share with the listeners who are all rabid, I run far readers and fans of the sport of things that you guys are think you can achieve as part of this new chapter. Yeah, I, far. I mean,
1: I think there's some pretty obvious ones. Um, I'm just making a note so I don't forget any of them. Um, <laughs> one is we just rolled out a m- new mobile theme um, completely before it was kind of done through a plugin that, that that was compliant with Google's AMP procedures, which make for really fast mobile websites. But there was a lot of glitches, and it just it was pretty awful. And I basically just used a canned theme that was included in that plugin. Like didn't even bother changing the colors of the buttons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just rolled out yesterday afternoon uh, a full no new, new mobile theme, um, along with a new commenting platform, Discuss, um, which is a pretty standard one across the internet, but one wow. from it, it kind of plays well on mobile in a lot of ways. Um, with that launched, um, there'll be little kinks we're working out here and there on that, but we're gonna next be working on a new theme for the desktop. I haven't seen the, the, the latest build, but uh, uh, I should be taking a look at that this week. I don't know if it'll roll out before UTMB or not, but like those are two big things and I just didn't have the bandwidth or the, the people to make that happen. Um, and I guess behind the scenes with them redoing that, um, it'll just fix some like just little broken things that have accumulated over the years, whether that's truly broken or just things that slow down, I run far. So it just should be a better overall experience for our web users, um, kind of on an area that I, I don't know why, I don't know if I had avoided it. I think I had, but just buyer's guides, like kind of looking diving deep into a certain category of equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I did way back at the beginning of Iron Farm. far, and we had a couple people do it less concertedly in some roundups of some product categories, but just kind of leaning into those buyer's guides, uh, I wrote one on like best trail running shoes and it's kind of a generalist article at this point, but then Craig Randall, we just published his best ultra or best men's running shorts article. And it's a mm. just a great selection of different men's running shorts that tend toward the trail and ultra side of things. Mm. And it's just like, it's super useful. Like why would we not publish yeah. that? And I'm looking up at like 25 wind jackets and like 20 rain jackets that if I find some more time to go running, like I'll be rolling out buyer's guides in those areas. And like using a decade and a half of being immersed in the sport and the product in the sport and writing about it, like sweet, like why wasn't I doing this or why wasn't I run far doing this? And then excitingly, uh, I have wanted to do for about the past decade is kind of have more newsy articles, like with the, Iron Far's magazine mix of content, as we call it, and race coverage. We just even haven't had any bandwidth to put out
0: shorter timely news articles. Sort of like um, the one you guys published about the new golden ticket races this week. Exactly. Yeah. Or
1: and sometimes it might be something simpler, like we like our bad water. One thirty five results article it was not yeah. our typical results article, but we categorize that as news. Mm. Um, a gentleman died in uh, a runner out in Yosemite, and we covered that. Mm-hmm. So something that just doesn't warrant a full-on in-depth article, but is really interesting, like Dakota Jones's uh, sort of environmental slash trail running camp, and then Killian having uh, his some his foundation having sort of similar one uh, yeah. over in Europe and we would a joint article on that. And I, I think that in some ways could be not like introducing a particular shoe model, but if say, if the North face came out with an entirely new replaced better than naked and had a full new yeah. capsule of apparel and that included something as new as future light, like maybe having a news article on that, and like yeah. it wouldn't, it would never sell itself as a review. It's like, here's this new thing that's getting out there. Um, I don't know. There's lots of ideas like that. And, I've wanted that for a decade, but it's just bandwidth. And now within (laughs) All Gear, they have a newsroom. It's something, I mean, I think when I was onboarding, I run far into Lolo, I'm like, you know, we'd love to have more newsy content. And then somehow multiple pieces came together within All Gear and we're like, all right, we're making an All Gear newsroom.
0: Sweet. So. Well, that's great, man. And all those ideas are articles that I would certainly like to read and uh, that I think there's a huge appetite for in the sport. And But yeah, it does take people. It takes bandwidth. And uh, you, know, you sort of referenced this or alluded to this many times in our conversation so far, but just having the support of Lola offloads a lot of responsibilities from you and yeah. Megan. So you can think a little bit more creatively, has that given you like a rejuvenated sense of energy? Have you been able to access every time your- I think
1: about thinking about that? It does. It's like meta level still. <laughs> like I have like like it's just like coming out of and Hard Rock coverage. Like there was a ton of just literal translation of like here's our passwords. Here's you know getting contracts for each of our writers. Like that was a couple months, and I I feel like we're getting to the point where come fall I can really dedicate more time to those, and I think lola honestly Mm. wants myself and megan to sit down and like think of what those big picture things are like what new columns do we bring on like do we get dylan bowman to write a um, a monthly profile on Elite Runners for us. Because, you know, if you want to, <laughs> let's talk.
0: Are you offering um, me a job right now? I'm offering you a column <laughs> if you want one. <laughs> have, have Lola call my people and we'll see if we can all work right, it out. Right.
1: No, I don't want to put you <laughs> on the spot. That's off the cuff. Honestly, <laughs> no, like they want to like seriously, Megan and I to think about, you know, little <laughs> things like a particular column, but also, you know, bigger iterations. Like not even just uh, new airy, like. Stuff like adding newsroom or buyers guy, but like, do we push in? Like, do we include stuff, more stuff in, in road running or not? Or do we have you know? Do we do more race coverage that's remote, like that we're not actually on site for? Like, just uh, there's lots of areas we for us to consider, and I probably mm-hmm. have two pages in a Google Doc of like just sure, single yeah. bullet point ideas that I just need to sit down and prioritize and think about. Mm-hmm. Hasn't, cool. hasn't happened. Maybe after UTMB.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's coming up. It, that'll be here before we know it. So indeed, a few, more, few more questions for you. One of the for things sure. I'm really curious about is just kind of like the feeling of when this actually became a reality, like when the deal closed, what did it feel like? Did it feel like you had reached a finish line of a decade long journey, or was it more like <laughs> a critical aid station along, you know, I think a, it's a our, critical
1: aid station. I mean, like, the easiest analogy is, you know, just like, it would be a card game. It's taking some chips off the table. Yeah. Cause like every year, if you're a super small business, like you're gambling, do you stay in business? And we were on that scale. That you're always riding that line to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it almost happened in 2018, 19. It could have happened in 2020. If we hadn't joined Lola and 2021 had been more like 2020, like I run far, wouldn't be here today. I mean, we would have made a last, talk to our, you know, supporters out there and see what we could could have figured out. But like, A, it's a gamble every year and it could all go away in some, like, I mean, for a decade, there was probably eight years I didn't have health insurance and yeah. 10 years where I didn't put anything away toward retirement. And taking a little bit off the table means we can put a little way toward that, like that I wasn't doing for a decade. So it just kind of, it doesn't. Dude, I'm so glad you it, mentioned it that. kind of like equals out, I guess. Like, I'm so
0: glad you mentioned that because- I mean, that's a huge sacrifice to make, you know, you had a stable career as a lawyer, you would have had a nest egg saved for retirement. The fact that you toiled away on iron far for 10 years without giving yourself health insurance or saving for your own future. And then to finally get to a point where there's a bigger company who recognizes that hard work that recognizes the value that you provide to your readers and says, Hey, let's reward you for all those sacrifices and all those risks. It must it's feel like it. really
1: nice. It must yeah, feel good. I mean, that's a good way to think about it. I basically got paid back for a decade of benefits I didn't
0: <laughs> receive. And yeah. And also, yeah, just some security and some, yeah. So yeah, yeah some reward. Like, I said, like, for- like it
1: takes, not only does it like, you know, sort of equalize things out a little bit in that regard, but it just reduces that risk going forward. Like Megan and I are still employees and still, you know, still awesomely have more or less the same exact roles we did when we were doing, I run far independently. And like, we, there's just not a whole lot of top down directives. It's a lot of yeah. like going to people for counsel or idea bouncing ideas off people and in the best way.
0: Like, And that that's probably part of the reason why this felt like a no brainer to you. Rather yeah, than- and that's
1: actually another, like, I really needed to to focus on that point is, I mean, for a decade plus, like, first me and then Megan and, and myself, like we're operating in a vacuum, like making every decision by ourselves, for the most part, like, I don't know, I, I never worked in a magazine or a newspaper or another website, like, whether it's on the technical side, or on the editorial side, or whatever it is, every time it's making it up as you go along in a mm-hmm. vacuum. And now I can go to the editor-in-chief at Switchback Travel or Bike Rumor or Explorers Web or Gear Junkie. And there have been, there's some people that have been a, uh, another number of other editors at those publications um, and just talk to them, like give them my ideas, get their ideas. Like, oh, I've got this, this challenge. Like, what did you do when you had that challenge?
0: Mm-hmm
1: as well as technical specialists in various areas too. So like, it's just that, that was the idea of working to crystallize it. The idea of working with other people collaboratively in that same kind of position and in a similar space, like was really attractive. Yeah. After a decade in a, in a, in a silo.
0: Yeah. A little moral support, a little, yeah, a little experience to yeah. Guide your own decision-making. That's really cool. So I want to talk a little bit about your partnership with Megan, um, and working, working with your life partner, your wife as well, my wife and I do it too. And there's definitely been a a learning curve, but it's a really cool thing. So I wanted to maybe give you an opportunity to talk about how your guys' skill sets complement one another. And how, what do you do to ensure that your work
1: stress doesn't impact your deeper partnership together? Um, I don't know. I'd probably ask advice from you on that. No, it's, it's all, it's an ongoing challenge. Like, I don't know that it ever gets easier. I mean, I think in some ways um, recognizing our own needs uh, is important in that sort of situation in terms of knowing when one of us is going to be upset by something and and the other being either supportive or, or stepping away, depending on how that person reacts. Um, sometimes just being able to take some of that flack and just know that that's not how the other person feels about you as a life partner, but is just blowing off some steam or or is being critical about a particular nuance of a website, whatever, when they're just having a bad day at work. Like mm-hmm. so it's just a, a lot of letting that go. I've tried to get better about it's easy to only share what goes wrong or what the challenges are or the stressful points. But I'll literally go like, hey Megan. Like this article did really well. I don't, not, not the, I don't even look at that. So I'm just trying to think of like an example, but like some, some concrete thing we got, like, we got a, a number of small, like one-time donation or number of one-time donations during Western States and hard rock coverage. Yeah. And it took me a little while to reply to all of those. that I did personally, like anybody who got one of those, that's me on a keyboard. Yeah. Um, but a couple of them that had personal notes or I wrote them and then they sent a personal note back. I forward those or BCC Megan a lot of times, just like, yeah. here's somebody saying something nice about I run far, like sharing the little wins, sharing the little pieces of moral support is like, is nice. I like, love that. It, it's like, so good. It's like, so don't good. just just like you, it's easy to, you, you're only maybe working to solve or working against the stressful points, but like mm-hmm. make sure you flash those little bits of, of happy.
0: I love that. I love that. Yeah, making sure you do celebrate the wins and not only. And it's, it's, it's on good, the good for yourself
1: too. Like I've forever kept a little like Google uh, tag. I don't know because it's not a folder, but a, I guess it's a tag. Yeah. Um, That's like iron far good. And like yeah. like one. Yeah. Not that I, I don't know the last time I looked at it, but like it's way easier to see the the piece of criticism on social media or uh, a comment or whatever. And you just got to remember, like, if I need you, I can just go back and look at that folder with, you know, a hundred and a thousand good things. And just know mm-hmm. that like, don't let that one negative voice bring you down. Cause it, that's been one of my own personal challenges through I run far as, is, is letting a, a troll get to me.
0: Totally. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Uh, so I also want to talk about just, we've already sort of alluded to this, but you know, it's been a sacrifice, right? And you guys provide us a, a service to a community, but it comes at your expense sometimes, your and Megan's expense sometimes. For example, you didn't run Hard Rock this year. You were in Hard Rock. And the conditions were so good. You were and the so lucky. The you have any the idea? so good. <laughs> but I think this is important for listeners to, to really appreciate is, you know, you and Megan has two... For much of the last decade, sort of put your own enjoyment of the sport, your own competitive goals on the back burner to provide a service to the community. And I'm actually reading a book right now that my Red Bull manager gave me just a few days ago. Uh, And as I go through my own sort of personal renaissance right now, and it stresses sort of the importance of, of sort of leading a life of service instead of asking how you can get ahead in your career, how you can make more money, you know, how you can get to the next level. It's more about how can you have an impact and how can you lead a life of service? And then hopefully that gives you enough to survive, but also a much deeper satisfaction about who you are. And so, I wanted to first recognize you guys for doing that for the community for such a long time. Thank you and but also, maybe give you a little chance to complain
1: about it too, if you want to about well, well how I can do you think of a couple of sacrifices? I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a it, it was multifactorial, but when Megan and I both got into hard rock for this year, we knew only one of us could run of it, run it. like we we'd try we've done it twice before where we've run it and and had race coverage. But we knew that just was a bad. That was not the right move anymore. Um, and originally, it was going to be me running it, and uh, a lot of life getting in the way. But but for I run, someone needing to do I run far, I would have gone out and struggled my way around the course at, at the very least. Um, but Megan was in a better position to should take advantage or to use that spot to its fullest. Uh, so I, you know, one hundred percent graciously and in and. and I'm stoked that Megan got to run hard rock. Uh, uh but it, it, definitely on race day when conditions were aligning to be amazing. It was definitely a little hard to be to be there uh, and not with a bib on. But I also uh, it kind of struck me. At, I was out at Western States and picked up uh one of the the Western States little magazines. I don't know what they call it, but uh sort of the yearly um program. program. Yeah, there you go. Uh and looked back and way back in 2005 and six, there's the listing of, uh, of under or 20 to 29 champion or under 29 and under champion. And I'm listed there twice. And I look at the names and it's, you know, Jurek and Mike Mason and Torrance and, you know, all the guys that have come, you know, Killian, Killian I think was in there and like, just like, what? The f- <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it, I don't, I, you know, I'm not trying to say my, I was ever going to be as fast as them, but when I moved out to California, I kind of had a five-year plan of like, I'd have enough space with, I run far to slowly and incrementally over a couple of years, go from what I'd run 19, just under 1930 at Western States. I thought maybe that could be a, a an 18 hour-ish. Like I'm not saying I'm not running 16 low, I'm not breaking 16, but yeah, just to, to slowly work up to what my potential was, and I'm. I run far, and that was not compatible. Yeah, and there's a little bit of not regret, but like there's a little bit of like I did sacrifice that uh, that chance to in order to do I run far to its fullest. And same with like I never really focused on a road marathon. My PRs from a Western States training run during like law school exams, like uh, and I, you know who knows what? Would, maybe I was a two forty marathon or could have been. I don't know. Yeah. But like that whole, I sacrificed my thirties, which probably as a, as a distance runner and ultra runner, quite possibly your best. Uh, and I just, I could prepare well for a single race, but I could never allow myself to train, you know, consistently enough through a whole year. And then over multiple years to, to maybe challenge what, and find out what that final limit was. Yeah. But.
0: Well thank you for making the sacrifice. <laughs> thank you for making the sacrifices honestly Thanks. on behalf of the sport. I mean I can speak for a generation of runners who learned half of what I know about the sport through your articles and you know, whose career has benefited from my exposure to what you've provided. And, uh, I think it's important to acknowledge when people do provide a service and do make sacrifices in service of a greater,
1: and there's lots of them in ultra running. I mean, there's a lot of folks who've done this for decades, race directors, you know, even volunteers, spouses. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many people behind the scenes that who, who give behind the scenes unendingly and yeah. Hopefully it- they also can get some of what they want out of the sport in terms of enjoyment.
0: Yeah. Is there anything that we've missed that we haven't talked about as part of what you foresee as Iron Farr's next generation and the next chapter uh as part of this Lola acquisition? And if not, maybe in closing, let's just talk about what's next for you. Do you have anything? coming up personally, athletically, and then also where can we expect uh, I Run Far in the near future?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything, I mean, outside of those things I I laid out, nothing that's concrete enough to to say. Again, I, I hope to, at some point uh, in the fall, sit down and maybe have a retreat or spend some time and just go through and think of what those next ideas and avenues are for I Run Far. And like I said, I've compiled a list over the years. And now I just need to find the time to to do it. Uh, and personally I wish I could say I had something on the calendar, but, um, I've kind of, I fought it for a while in the spring when I was still thinking I was going to run hard rock, but I've kind of accepted this as a year. That's, that's not about running. I'm still, I am a runner and identify as a runner and it's something that's still huge to me. And I have a streak going on five years at this point, but this year is not about running. And Mm -hmm. this year I'm doing a ton on, on the work front and, I've just kind of accepted that. Um, I did my only race that I'm signed up for for the year. I did my, uh, my trail running fly fishing, uh, middle Creek flyathlon, uh, two weekends <laughs> ago and had a blast doing that. I, I had won that combined event in the past, but I took a, was horribly slow and horribly slow at fishing. So I took <laughs> the extra time and won the biggest fish, fish competition. Uh, <laughs> is this, but, is,
0: is this going to be covered on ifishfar.com?
1: As soon as I roll that out, yes. Um but uh yeah, I don't have any any running plans. I hope to I basically told myself I was taking a break, even if I'm running every day. I, I told myself that in early June to stop fighting the to get in shape when I'm just spending my time working and on other things. But I'm starting to to play around with going from two and a half miles to throwing in a couple five milers, or if a buddy wants to go. Five miles into a lake and fish and run back out. Maybe I'll do that in the next couple of weeks, but just kind of allowing myself to play more with running over the coming months. Mm-hmm. Um, in hopes of I did my trail work for Hard Rock. I did my trail boss or trail crew leader thing at Hard Rock. I've got as many tickets as I can get in that lottery. And I hope to be able to build myself up if I get in to have a really good run there next year. Um,
0: but until same. then, same, bro. I,
1: yeah, Let's keep hope the dream we're both alive.
0: Careful. And then uh, UTMB, I'm assuming, is what's next for I run far.
1: Uh, barring any changes uh, in travel, travel status, our plan is to be at, at, at UTMB. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we should be there. Uh, we plan to be at a bunch of other events in the fall. It is a. I don't think I can really name any because we haven't decided. There's a whole bunch that we'll probably decide in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's but gonna it's who's be, actually going to show a- up
0: yeah and there's a dearth of uh competitive races that have been moved from spring to fall
1: oh totally so it's like oh my god who who is actually going to show up to which which are going to be able to travel to um just we've always kind of done that especially for autumn races um been really patient and even making decisions two or three weeks out um whether we go to an event to see how that field is actually shaping up but there's a there's a bunch that we're looking at. And I think, I mean, I'll we'll probably meet with Megan as soon as we're done and, and talk about some of them again. Cool.
0: All right, man. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be able to sit down and turn the tables on you and learn a little bit more about this next chapter for Iron far again, congratulations on the move, even though it's, it was six months ago. Now it seems like things <laughs> are, moving, uh, moving progressively forward into the future. And uh, I am so glad to see your hard work rewarded. And uh, thank you for everything you do for our community. And uh, thanks for coming on the pod and talking about it.
1: Thank you, Dylan. It was a pleasure. And I hope we can do it again sometime.
0: Okay, what'd you guys think? Thank you so much for listening. As always, I so appreciate your attention in this time of endless content. It means so much that you'd be here and that you'd listen to the end, all those who are still here for the outro. I really hope you found value in this conversation and are inspired by Brian's story. Thank you to Brian himself. I'm so grateful he would give me the time to ask these probing questions about his life's work and allow me to share The vision of the future of irunfar.com, the site that means so much to all of us. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the video introduction that they did with their new editor, Alex Potter, who we talked about in the interview. And I also linked to irunfar's Patreon page that you can go contribute to if you feel compelled to support their mission. As always, if you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate it if you'd go leave us a review in Apple Podcast, so we can continue to reach new listeners and feel good about ourselves. I haven't asked you guys to do this in a long time and honestly, I'd really appreciate it. It only takes a minute and it really does help grow the show and it really does help us understand what kind of content you like, what kind of stuff is having an impact and it helps me to sort of make decisions about the direction of the show as well. So please go leave us a rating and a review in Apple podcasts. I have a lot of very exciting new things to announce very soon, but that is it for today. Thank you guys so much for being here. I love you so deeply. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.